You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster House presents Monster Talk can be supported by listeners like you at patreon.com forward slash monster talk or by leaving positive reviews on iTunes and other podcasting sites. Learn more at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Thanks to all of you who are supporting us in this way. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or exceed your expectations. I'd like to read you a Chinese ghost story. The Princess of Suyang and Scholar Tan. A certain scholar Tan of the Han Dynasty was 40 years old and still unmarried. He was deeply moved by reading the Book of Odes. Once, around midnight, a young woman of some 15 or 16 years, beautiful and elegantly attired, utterly without equal in the empire, came to him and offered to be his in marriage. However, said she, I am unlike other humans, and you must never see me by lamplight or torchlight for three years. When that time is past, it will be possible to do so. She became his wife and bore him a son, but after two years he could scarcely bear it longer. One night, when he had seen her to bed, he secretly brought a torch and shone it on her. Above the waist, she was covered with flesh as an ordinary human. Below her waist was only a skeleton. His wife awoke and spoke, You have betrayed me. I was going to become fully human, Oh, why could you not have waited just one more year before exposing me to flame light? Tan apologized, but she tearfully insisted she could stay no longer. I know I must discontinue our marriage rituals forever, but I have a great concern for my son and fear you too may not be able to sustain yourselves when I am gone. If you will follow me now, I will leave you a gift." Tan followed her as she led him to a beautifully decorated mansions and a room that housed many unusual objects. 
From among them, she chose a pearl-studded robe and gave it to him, saying, This you may use to support yourselves. Then she tore a piece of material from Tan's garments and kept it when he left. Tan took the robe to the marketplace, and the household of the prince of Suyang bought it for ten million coppers. The prince recognized the robe. This robe belonged to my daughter. What is it doing in the marketplace? Her tomb must have been violated. Thereupon, he had Tan arrested and beaten. Tan told the entire truth, but the prince was inclined to disbelieve him. He inspected his daughter's tomb, and all was complete as before. He had the coffin taken out, and there, pinched under the lid, was a piece of cloth. When the prince called Tan's son to him, he saw that the lad did greatly resemble his daughter and finally believed the story. He summoned Tan and richly rewarded him, acknowledging him as his son-in-law. The boy, he made a gentleman page in his court. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. The ghost story in the introduction comes from a book titled Sushinji, or In Search of the Supernatural by Gan Bao. Gan Bao was a Chinese historian and writer in the court of the Emperor Yuan of Jin in the early part of the 4th century. That story was from an English translation that is out of print and extremely hard to find and thus is priced on websites in excess of $1,200. But there's another volume that contains these translations, and fortunately it's much more reasonably priced at under $20. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Today, we're talking with PhD candidate Minwa Huang about her research in the literature of Chinese ghost stories, a genre known as Zhigui. Because Chinese history is typically not very well known in the West, I want to give you a few reference points. First, while there are many dialects of Chinese language, today they share a common character set so that even though two people may speak differently, they can read the same characters and understand them. And I'm probably oversimplifying this, but many of the characters are derived from pictograms, little pictures that convey ideas. The paper that Minwo wrote starts by describing the character development of Guai. Our ghost. Check the show notes for an image. The history of the Zhigui story is one where the preservation of folklore and legend are balanced against the stoic restraints of the teachings of Confucius. These teachings form a behavioral code which is far more influential than the pithy sayings that most Westerners associate with Confucius. Many famous teachings are found in a book called The Analects, so you'll be hearing that word in our interview. Another powerful influence in China is Buddhism, the fourth largest religion in the world. 
Trying to summarize the complex social and religious structure of centuries of human history into a brief introduction like this is like trying to fit all the history of birds into a single chicken egg. Think of this as less an explanation and more of a list of things that you might enjoy learning more about in your spare decades. We will also speak of Taoism, another highly influential philosophy of living and religion common to China. And these religions and philosophies and the political structure of China, as well as the formalization of the written language, all shaped and continue to shape the conception of ghosts in the complex communities of Asia. This is the month of ghosts in China, and as I record it, this is the day of ghosts. As you'll hear in the interview, the influences of these dead ancestors, even though they are invisible, is quite real and visible today. Monster Dog. Well, we'll get started. Um, first of all, we, we want to, as we've already said, thank you for joining us. Uh, Karen found your paper. We had a uh, request for an interview during Chinese Ghost Month. Ah, and so, so you know that, okay. Yeah, so we we uh, have interviewed someone else before about Japanese ghosts, but we had someone specifically ask for us to talk about Chinese ghosts. So uh -huh. that's why we, we went looking for an, an expert, so we're really excited to find you. I'm not sure whether I'm an expert, but I can talk Yeah, about my paper with me. Yes. Sure. Definitely. Well, you're more expert than we are, I can promise you. Okay. <laughs> In that regard, I accept that. So I can talk about Hong Kong cinema a lot, but that really? is... Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'll mention something. Yes. Yes. That's great. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? I'm Ming Wen Huang. Uh, I'm currently a PhD student in the English Department of Leipzig University in Germany. But before that, I studied uh, English and comparative literature in Taiwan. My dissertation is on the poetization of artificial humans in Western and Chinese fantastic literature. Um, my research fields cover sci-fi, fantasy, Japanese manga, anime, and Chinese ghosts. That's wow. awesome. So, yeah, very interesting. <laughs> did you say the poetization? Yes. So what, is, what does that mean exactly? So it's about language and imagination, how they combine together in a fantastic uh, text or like story and how artificial humans are created inside that context and expand it a bit more into like not only the story itself, but also to the genre. For example, in sci-fi, definitely you can find artificial humans and then expand it more to like fantastic literature. And I do a kind of Western and Chinese uh, comparative literature study. Oh, so would you consider like a, a magic sword that talked to people? Would that be a form of artificial intelligence? <laughs> uh, actually, artificial humans uh, need some kind of a definition first, right? Yes. So it's like uh, you need kind of a definition how you define humans. Or, and then you can define like artificial humans. Oh, this so way. this would be more like, in fantasy, it would be more like uh, constructs or golems or things like that? Yes, yes, yes. yes oh, okay, are. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Excellent. That, that's also super interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So as I've mentioned, we had a request for an interview during Chinese Ghost Month. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what uh, Chinese Ghost Month is or the, the Chinese Ghost Festival. Ghost uh, Month actually refers to the seventh month of the Chinese lunar calendar, a period of time when the gates of the hell 
are said to be open and all ghosts can come out and roam the human world to visit the living. So it's kind of a, a month long vacation for ghosts. Wow. Yeah. So it's perfect timing for our interview because the ghost yeah. month starts on the 19th of August so the, this year. The gates are open. The gates of hell. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it feels like that too. <laughs> okay. There is this a ghost festival takes place on the 15th day. So it's kind of traditional Buddhist and Taoist festival. So both Taoists and Buddhists perform rituals to pay tribute to ghosts and observe their sufferings. For example, in Taiwan, people prepare food and drink offerings, not only in families, but also in uh, local communities and at temples all over Taiwan. So to keep them pleased and therefore keep them uh, safe from them. So you mentioned hell. Is it a, like more like Hades or an afterlife place? Definitely like afterlife place. And it has a kind of complicated uh, structure of itself. So we call like Chinese hell. It's actually de developed from two systems, so Buddhism and Taoism. And they have different kind of concepts of it. But because they mingle together in Chinese culture, and therefore like we kind of combine these two kind of uh, religious uh, concept together and into this ghost month thing. Yeah. And I'm curious about the kinds of offerings that are left out for ghosts. Yeah. Chinese ghosts are different from other ghosts, I think, based on this uh, kind of strong material need. They need like food, like a drink, even sex and relationship, like with humans. So right. this is kind of, uh, yeah quite different from order. Interesting. Min, when you wrote a paper on uh, the topic of, of ghosts, so the papers from cultural ghosts to literary ghosts, humanization of Chinese ghosts in, uh, in Chinese Xinguai, and I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, I'm sorry. But if you could tell us a little bit about your research and your paper. Okay, so like uh, this happened because like um, it's kind of actually a beautiful diversion from my research on artificial humans. I once gave a presentation on artificial humans in Chinese Zhiguai. So it's kind of a Gothic stories for my research group in our institute. And then I kind of use a ghosts, like the role of ghosts, they play the role as the source or the power to animate artificial humans. Um, my colleagues found it interesting and um, there was this chance that they are going to hold a conference on ghosts. So that's why I got this chance to explore the topic for its own sake. Your paper opens with the history of the development of the Chinese written character Gui. And you talked about the way that numerous beliefs become one concept of, of a ghost. Can you, can you talk about that synthesis and how it happened? So uh, this is a process which I refer to as the humanization of cultural ghosts, which presents a brief history of Chinese ghost beliefs, ghost beliefs roughly until the sixth dynasties. So it's around the third to sixth century. Mm -hmm. And it examines the conception of ghosts from an abstract idea that cannot be differentiated from spirits or gods or other supernatural beings into a concrete Chinese character Gui. So it was firstly found on oracle bones. Do you know that? It's used in the divination in the late Shang Dynasty. So oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so we, yeah. we are these are these just bones or are they bones that have been decorated or made sacred or in some way? 
So basically, they are like uh, for divination or for records of the royal family in a way. So they will they will because like it's uh, you don't have like materials for writing right back then. So you use like oracle bones or uh, turtle shells, and you carve like the words on top of them. Yes, and I would like to mention like this character way. It can actually be interpreted. Uh, I think it will be interesting to mention that it can be interpreted as living human-like creatures. So it's kind of material orders like uh, anthropoid animals or barbarians, like foreigners. Or mm -hmm. like on the other hand, it could be also interpreted as human ghosts or immaterial orders. And this was the decisive moment or timing like when a more precise and definite concept of ghosts which is directly related to the death of humans started to shape development of the whole entire Chinese ghost beliefs. Well, by coincidence uh, there's there's an American show called Radio Lab which I really enjoy and they were doing an episode I was listening to today and it was about the efforts to transfer the Chinese character set into computers and, and how challenging that was because it being a character based rather than phoneme based uh, yeah. system. And yes. so it was like, I thought I better put that in the show notes because it does a great job of explaining the origin of, of the problem and how, and how mm -hmm. the, the Chinese written language uh, works. But in your paper, the little, you've got yeah. some drawings of Oracle bone scripts Yeah. Yes. And, and the one the, in the in that column, the one that looks like a little person with a square head with four quadrants, it's, <laughs> I, it looks like, it looks adorable. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's also like how we feel about ghosts. <clears throat> so they can be adorable. That's they great. They don't nece necessarily to be evil or bad. Yeah. <laughs> They sound, yeah, very different to uh, the, the Western idea of ghosts, which are things that people fear and you know, people are scared about. So it, it sounds like you've got lots of different ways of looking at, at ghosts in, in more Eastern cultures. Um, I think maybe it's related to some kind of fundamental worldviews that we perceive. So, for example, uh, in Chinese culture, we don't have this uh, monotheism, this kind of... Uh, physical and metaphysical difference. So it's either material or spiritual. It's kind of uh, kind of binary binary. So mm -hmm. it's kind of this kind of system. But uh, in Chinese, like in China, like mm, we got this concept like it's a more organic kind of world view. So everything, like even something different from us, they can be kind of contact and uh, understood even. So I think this is kind of the basic uh, fundamental difference between the two systems. I mean, like the Western, generally speaking, like Western system, like from uh, from Christianity or like uh, column or yeah. So it's quite different. So I don't know much about um, Taoism. Um, mm -hmm. And I know a little about Buddhism. Um, yes. But in I know that in the movies that I've watched, which is yes, please, <laughs> lots of them. There are there's there's lots of spirits and demons and all sorts of interesting entities besides the human. 
that that show up in those stories. Um, is is that true in the folklore as well? I'm, I'm always curious about what's what are they making up just for movies and what's actually part of the folklore. Um, I know we've looked at Japanese culture a little bit, and they have, uh, in addition to ghosts, they also have yeah. little monsters like yokai, which I think some people think of as demons, and um, it's not like in the Western tradition. So I, I but I, I, I love them. It's so interesting. Yes, me too. Me too. Yeah. So do you know like um, uh, Oshi's um, the ghost in the shell? Definitely, right? Yes. Yes, and like uh, the second, uh, like a so so innocence. And inside that anime, uh, Oshi said that actually inside the anime, the entire film, there isn't a single human being. All of them are artificial humans. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. So also, like a human... huge spoiler. Sorry. What? <laughs> uh, really? I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, no. If you haven't seen the series, or you know, sorry. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I think so. Blake read your paper, and I haven't uh, haven't been able to to finish reading it yet. But uh, so you describe ghosts in several different ways, and they sound quite different from an average modern ghost story that we'd hear here in America. Um, but the, the story about the man who marries a ghost sounds very much like a lot of European fairy lore and mermaid lore when a human becomes romantically involved with the supernatural. So this seems to be a powerful theme, um, that, that really seems to be found around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that story? Uh, so you mean like a tangshen, the one that I wrote inside the story is, uh, like Ho Tangshen, and Tangshen, Tang is a scholar of uh, age of 40, and he marries a young, beautiful female ghost from a rich family. So that ghost, that beautiful female ghost, just comes to him one night, and then they kind of uh, fall in love, and give, and then she gives birth to a son after their marriage, and gradually gains her human flashback within two years. And I think this is because of her, like, yeah, basically it's like this story. So did he know that she was a ghost at first? Yes, or... yes definitely. Yes, definitely. These stories really do interweave the, the living and the dead uh, yes. in, in such a unique way. It's kind of, uh, it's different from Western ghost stories in terms of like the relationship between humans and ghosts. And they can be kind of hostile. Yes. But also can be kind of harmonious, and like you, because you meet different ghosts. Ghosts are as diverse as human beings, so they have their own characters, and yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see them and how how harmoniously like they can live together or work together, because I think this also involves uh, like a the attitudes of uh, Chinese, like the attitude toward foreigners or strangers or the other in Chinese culture. So it's and they can... kind of more open in a way. And because you kind of uh, think it's possible or you don't deny their existence. So mm -hmm. you kind of build up a bridge or a way to kind of work out together. In, yeah, that's kind yeah. of. I think that's fascinating that uh, in this story that she even gave birth. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I mentioned like uh, Chinese ghosts have this strong physicality. 
so like food, drink, and then also like give birth, like when she uh, is a woman and she wants to be a wife and then wants to be a mother. And this also kind of echoes back to the conclusion of my paper that mentions that a ghost actually is defined uh, as like uh, who, what humans return to. And this return to is kind of balanced system or balanced relationship that where you can find like humanity again, find the balance with the other, something like this. So it's kind of, she's also yearning for return to a proper home. But like in the end, because she, yeah, because uh, the uh, Tang Shen, the scholar, he kind of uh, violates the rule of not looking at her in uh, firelight. So it reminds us of like Cupid and Psychic, I think, right? Yes. So, yes. So it's quite interesting. You got like this motif and kind of similar pattern, but they are yeah talking about different things. Yeah. Well, so yeah. in the in the story, he he looks at her in firelight, and yes. what what happens to her? And then uh, she needs to return. So like the human flesh, she gains. She cannot keep that, and she needs to return to kind of the other world. But the scholar has everything. I mean, like he has the child, for example. So the son grows up, yeah, grows up. And then he got the position in the kind of, uh, yeah, official position. So he basically, yeah, gets everything. <laughs> That's beautiful and sad. Yes, <laughs> yes. because of the efforts. And it reminded me of, in, in some ways, uh, having these rules uh, in in the Greek myths, we had Orpheus, uh, who goes to the yes. underworld to get his lover. Yes. So, and, yeah, he cannot look back, right? Exactly, and, but it, <laughs> you know, he breaks the rule, and of course, he loses her. Yes. And then yes. there's a there's a folklore about uh, a, a woman who has a ribbon around her neck who becomes the wife of a man, and the <laughs> only rule he has is she must ne- he he can't take off the ribbon. He can't. She'll <laughs> never remove it. And then they have a very happy life for a long time. And then eventually, he's just so curious. She's asleep one night, and he pulls the ribbon off. And, of course, her head falls off. She had actually been dead. She was decapitated. Oh. And, of course, you know, her her dying words are, I told you never to remove the ribbon. So, so, so you uh, see, like, uh, how many disasters human curiosity has brought to the world. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so it's true. also fun. And, I mean, it's also the core of being a human that we want to explore. So it's kind of blessing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the closest thing maybe in, in Western culture uh, outside of mythology is a, a movie or TV show like the ghost and Mrs. Muir. Did you ever see that Blake? Of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Mrs. Muir. And then there's the topper. There's a few of these happy ghosts interacting. Uh, there was a weird one in the eighties uh, called high spirits. With, oh yes, yeah. Uh, which uh, had the ghosts and the living interacting uh, in, I think, Ireland. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. But but you're talking about something specific in in Chinese literature called jiguai. Okay, sorry. Jiguai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. what is that exactly? It's a form of, of of story, but what what makes it specific? What makes it special? So like jiguai, it uh, literally means records of the strange or records of the supernatural. 
itself is an original Chinese literary genre. And like its name suggests, Zhiguai was both read and written as authentic historical and factual recordings back in the six dynasties when it was first born. So the genre. And for example, like Gan Bao, uh, he was a historian and a great Zhiguai uh, writer. He adopted uh, the method of uh, historiography in compiling his masterpiece that is uh, in search of the supernatural, kind of a seminal work of Zhiguai. So like in Zhiguai, in this genre, uh, the appearance of ghosts was deemed as a part of social and cultural reality in China. And therefore, uh, they didn't arouse hesitation or ambiguity, like uh, in Todorov's uh, definition of the fantastic. I, I was absolutely fascinated by this because I um, this this idea that ghost stories were written originally as factual stories, yes, and then yes. they become they become seen as I, I take it as more folklore stories. But they're still it's its own form of literature. But it sounded like in your paper. Mm -hmm. that they were not respected as a form of literature. And can you talk about that and why that was? Yes, I'm afraid this is the case. And uh, it has something to do with the domination of Confucianism in Chinese society. So Confucius once said in the Analects that, quote, master would then talk about extraordinary things, feats of strength, disorder, and spiritual beings, unquote, and that quotation, while respecting ghosts and gods, keep aloof from them, unquote. So like ghosts, along with Zhiguai, this literary genre where literary ghosts live and evolve, belong to the realm of the so-called the unspeakable and the unrepresentable in Chinese uh, culture or literature, like, I mean, the classic literature. Mm -hmm. So they hadn't been respected as a form of literature in this long history of China, like from its uh, generic birth in Sixth Dynasty, almost to the end of the last Qing Dynasty, which was in wow. 1911. So, but uh, luckily, <laughs> nowadays, uh, they have gradually gained their recognition. Uh, mm -hmm. And then especially in our contemporary world, where the strange and the supernatural are rather enchanting and active. I think, yeah. So, so just to make sure I understand, was that a philosophical reason, or was that more like a religious? A really, I'm a little unclear on how Confucianism <laughs> works. Yes. So it's kind of polit political philosophy, like mm -hmm. in Chinese culture. So basically, it tells or teaches people how to behave like the relationship uh, among human beings, like how you treat your father, how you treat your emperor, things like this, how you treat your wife, how you treat others, basically. So it's very uh, relational. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people make fun of it as a religion because you can't really tell like whether it's a philosophy or mm -hmm. a religion in the end because nowadays it's kind of, kind of Bible or a covenant that you need to follow. So this strong belief in these uh, kind of concepts kind of shape it into the, it has this kind of strong domination power, like a religious power, like in Christianity maybe. Yeah, so this is from that angle. 
So it's like a it's a, a yeah. code a code you live by. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti, and I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Things done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Yes. So like you are a knight or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what yes, I was thinking. yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of American people um, are just familiar with hearing about Confucius and things like fortune cookies. So it's a very, <laughs> very superficial kind of understanding of, of that as a philosophy. Uh, yes, but like, I mean, like it's also these pieces that kind of because like his works were kind of collections like by his uh, compiled by his followers. So it's kind of also pieces like information. So, People with a lot it. of these, a lot of these stories, uh, so a lot of these are works of literature. But were some of these stories uh, part of oral history? So maybe they were passed down through families or through societies and, and told to people uh, through across generations. Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, because okay, in the beginning, we only had, for example, a recording, uh, like the uh, the book I just mentioned, the writer Gambao, right? Like mm -hmm. he was uh, a, a historian and also a Zhiguai writer, which doesn't mean that he personally wrote those stories, which means yeah. that he compiled them. And how he did that, he visited, kind of did interviews. Like he went to village and different places in China and asked people about like strange stories. And they, nice. told, they told him this and okay. then he compiled them. Yes. So this is like so, the Brothers Grimm in early folklore in, 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 <laughs> yes. in Europe. Okay. No way. Yeah. Oh, it's very important to, to compile these stories. So that, that's really excellent work. Yeah. Uh, actually, like he was a bit blamed uh, because of doing this. He was a Confucius uh, scholar. I mean, like he was a really historian, like an officer. 
like back at that time.、Mm-hmm. But then he did this kind of things because a zhi guai was deemed as kind of what we just mentioned, like were not so respected back that time. But he kind of believed that it's also part of history and part of reality. Therefore, he collected them, like、mm-hmm. in this way.、And、of course, there are also there were also other. Like scholars did similar things afterwards. So, so he took a risk. It was not, yeah. <laughs> But that's good, though. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm always concerned when I read online about various <laughs> characters around the world. You know, I don't, I don't know what to trust. But I, I found this article about supernatural entities in Chinese folklore. And I sent you that link. Did Did you get a chance to look at that? Yes, yes, I did. Are those well known things? Well, I'm afraid they are not really like in this case. Yeah, that, that's yeah. It, it. Seems suspicious. <laughs> yeah, because, because the article is actually about supernatural entities, so its classification for ghosts is kind of rather confusing, actually. So you can see like ghosts from Japanese folklore or Buddhism. And they can be categorized、uh, by the way they die or their appearance. So, like, it's not really kind of a very structural kind of classification or presentation、okay. of supernatural. But still, it mentions some interesting character. If you are familiar with Hong Kong films, so do you know Jiang Jiang Shi, which is kind of Chinese vampire? Yes, I'm familiar with、oh. the、uh, the the. Is that the hopping vampire? Yes, yes, yes I、so、love that. Like、yeah, back in the 80s and 90s, they the, were really popular. Yeah, and there was a there's a very funny.、Um, I, the I don't know what the Chinese title. The American title is Mr. Vampire, about a, a kind of incompetent、uh, vampire hunter. <laughs> I think there were so many I couldn't like pin down, but、uh, I like to point out like there. Or not like horror only. They are kind of combination, like you say that it's fun. So it's kind of combination of horror and comedy, and sometimes maybe even more, like romance. Yeah. Well,、yeah. and there's also they, they some of them show up in there's a Shaw Brothers movie called The Seven、mm-hmm. Golden Vampires, which was a, a, a team up between <laughs> Hammer、uh, Horror and and the Shaw Brothers, and they the, in that movie Dracula goes to China and teams up with <laughs> seven vampires and and、um, they they raise up an army of lesser vampires and among them you can see some of them hop. It's very interesting. <laughs> hopping, you mean literally hopping? That's、yes. how they they hopping, hop.、Yes. That's, that's what they do. That's how they move. <laughs> yes, Why? Like,、um, uh, I think it has something to do with like、uh, their so the origin is like、uh, they are. Dead. I mean, they are dead bodies basically, but they still have this kind of、uh, spirit or energy inside them. And it's originally it was from like I think Yunnan, and they had this custom of like asking、uh, those corpses to jump, and because their bodies were like because they were dead, so their body were basically quite stiff,、okay. and that's the reason why they needed to jump. In a way, and with their hands up, yeah. Oh, so、oh, like、really kind of Taoist kind of yeah, local Taoist.、Story. Very interesting. So,、uh, are ghosts important in Chinese culture today? It seems like they are. For there to be a a Chinese Ghost Month, it seems like this is culturally、uh, a very important topic. 
Yes, of course. Like for example, in a community where I live, so there is going to be a collective uh, ceremony to give our quote unquote good brothers a good feast. So definitely, yes, ghosts are important in Chinese culture today, at least in Taiwan and maybe also in other parts of uh, Asia. So they are part of our daily life, just like a god, like whether they are a Taoist god or a Buddhist god, they are also and part ancestors. of our life too. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, but like not only ancestors, but also like yeah, other supernatural beings. That so I'm afraid maybe <laughs> it sounds like Taiwanese people are rather superstitious in this regard, but it's actually a cultural thing, kind of deeply and intricately related to how people perceive the world, as well as their relation to the others. I, so, I assure you, yeah. superstition is worldwide. It is yeah. everywhere. So very, very much so. We we do spend a lot of time trying to figure out what is real in the material sense and what you know what's not. But there's other ways of looking at the world besides that, and and yeah. figuratively, literally, mythically, there's all these other aspects to these stories, and we're fascinated mm -hmm. by all of them. But you know, at the bottom of it, unless you're having a direct experience. Most people experience ghosts through story. Can you yes. can you share a few uh, ghost stories with us? Uh, you mean personally? Like, oh no no no! I mean like from literature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, of course. I think I would like to mention the most famous one. So it's like uh, Nie Xiaoqian. So it's from Pu Songling. Uh, he was a late Qing uh, dynasty. Like. He, he was from late Qing Dynasty, and um, he wrote this collection, short story collection called Strange Stories from a Chinese Studio. I think it's the most uh, famous one, like in the world. Like I mean, yeah. And um, I think you definitely maybe you come across like uh, it's adaptation. So like uh, a Chinese ghost story. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yes. That's the first uh, Hong Kong supernatural film I ever saw. And I think it might have been the first one I saw with Wirework. Yeah. So which one you saw? Like uh, it's from like she, 1987 or like the previous one, the older one? No, the 87 one. Yep. And so it, it's a series. So like it got three, right? So like in this story, like uh, it's a, a beautiful female ghost uh, falls in love with uh, a young men right like uh, in the story it's a scholar but then it turned out into another like character in the movie and inside you can also find uh, the uh, the part that we just mentioned from Tang Shen so in the end she also uh, gives birth to a child okay yeah so you call this kind of uh, similar things but it's a it's an happy it's a happy ending I saw it in when it first came out, and I saw it once again in the '90s while I was in the Navy. And now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, too many years have passed by, and I need to watch it again. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to the, watch that one. There's this whole thing. What is it? It's I never. Is it wuxia? Wuxia? Wuxia. Wuxia. So it's like Chinese martial arts. Yes, yes. So this one, why it's popular, and I think it's also it won a few like international awards. Because it's a combination of different genres, so it's not only ghost stories like a zhi guai, but it's also a romance, right? 
and you also have like uh, like this Chinese martial arts inside, and also like an action film together. Yes. Yes. And like the artistic design was also quite nice. I mean, like when you look back at that time. So I think that's I guess that's the reason why it's so popular. Yeah, that that combines so many different things: martial arts and yeah, sounds pretty cool. Yes, martial arts is kind of a Chinese alchemy, like in action, in a way. So I definitely love it a lot. Me too. <laughs> and so with the, with a lot of these ghost stories, uh, so is it I guess just in in terms of in a literary sense that yes. uh, ghosts are all around us and they're kind of cohabiting with us and that we can see them in our daily lives, even or because in in uh, Western culture you have more of an idea of a ghost that is uh, invisible or it's something that might appear, it might do something that it was doing when it was still alive, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so we don't, I don't think we think in terms of, of cohabiting with ghosts all the time. It's something that that uh, might appear to people occasionally. For some reason, but but not necessarily be around us all the time. So uh, maybe think about like what do you think about like artificial humans or the others, like uh, monsters, and what what do you think about them and how do you feel about them? Is what do you think of them and what do, how do you feel about them? Is that similar? Um, well, like- I think well, on our show we on Monster Talk we often talk about a lot of cryptids and creatures that people believe do exist like Bigfoot, uh, mm-hmm. although we lean towards more of the skepticism side of things where <laughs> we, we look for evidence for the existence yes. of these yeah. creatures. So, uh, But I think that there would certainly be people who would think that monsters do cohabit with us and that they are around us. Not, not thinking about them in terms of monsters, but being uh, you know, creatures that haven't been discovered yet, that kind of thing. So kind of agree, like uh, not really like monsters that haven't discovered yet, but like like in Chinese culture, they are more like they have so many diverse images. I mean, ghosts. So it kind of shapes l- their relation to the living. So mm-hmm. it's like in our they are so attached to this worldliness. For example, mm-hmm. what well, we just mentioned, like in Ghost Month. So, yeah, it's we have a rather close relationship with them in this regard. During Ghost Month, do you uh, like do you give ghost money? Okay, <laughs> paper money you mentioned, right? Yeah. And not not only like kind of ghost money, like in the form of like paper. So it, you can give them not only money but also anything else that you want to get, for example, a house or uh, like uh, an iPhone, if you want. It's kind <sighs> of, uh, really, so it's kind of material sense. It's so strong. It's very like, modern, iPhone. Yes, yes. So it kind of evolves. <laughs> really, like when I saw like a whole villa that's going to burn because you need to burn them so that they can receive. So it's kind of a whole, like uh, in a trunk and then it's, it's piled with uh, all the stuff that's going to be burned too, because it's somehow like also kind of amazing for me. Is this like a, a, a model house or a real house? 
a Mado, like a okay, made of paper, good, good, because good. we need to bend them. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Just, real iPhone. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so they look real, but yeah. Yeah. So, so you spend real money to buy these, or can you make your own? Does it like does that matter? Usually, like you just buy them. Like, but if you think, uh, okay, there's one thing that you can like made a uh, uh, lotus flower. Mm-hmm. So you can fold the papers into lotus flower, for example. It's also a way of paying tribute. Yeah, and, there's work involved. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Like that's what I was curious about. It's it's it, in the sense if you spend money, you know that yes. represents work, right, and and wealth. But if you if you make something yourself, is that still valuable to the ghost? If I make my yes. own iPhone, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 3D copy. Right, right. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, but it, it's I, I that's fascinating. I love it. So, that's great. Yeah, uh, I think that these are really beautiful stories, the the ghost stories that you've been telling us about. Uh it seems like a, a lot of them are have a romantic kind of angle to them. Uh are there other kinds of stories that might be more similar to the Western style ghosts of a ghost that's vengeful or yeah, a ghost sure. that returns because of unfinished business or something yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes. There are many of them like this type. So kind of a human relationship, what you can think about, like they can get someone that like back. So basically like love and mm-hmm. maybe like revenge, like unfair like situations or like things that you want to kind of uh, solve it it's also kind of this returning to the older thing like okay returning to the home yeah so definitely right. yes but they are also involved because like uh, the kind of development of Zhiguai this genre is from like a very short form right and then afterwards it's developed into like even a longer form and it can it extended into like uh, a storybook so it's for people really like uh, reading them in front okay. of other people kind of uh, entertainment form so you got all this kind of development is interesting so it came out maybe kind of uh, long chapters like a really okay. like ghost story yeah one more question about um, and I'm going to say it again hopefully I'll get it right Jiguai? yes perfect are the stories themselves? Uh, how long are they? Are, is there are they short or are these very long or the the original ancient ones? I mean, the very early ones they might be like uh, a few dozen words only, so maybe thirty words, twenty words. Then wow. it can be a story. Yeah, and a longer one might take like maybe uh, three hundred fifty. I mean, like uh, still in the in the beginning, so it's still called Zhiguai. Wow. So it's quite interesting. So what's composed inside this story form is basically like uh, a narrator who is kind of served as a narrator who keeps a distance to look at things. And then he can overhear or she can overhear like the dialogues between maybe a ghost and a human or like between two ghosts or spirits, for example. So it's kind of so you keep certain distance. I also mentioned it's kind of historiography, right? Like biographical or historiographical mm-hmm. like uh, form. So it's also keep the distance. Therefore, because you have this distance, you kind of see it as like past events or mm-hmm. something really happened in the past. 
of course it changed like afterwards, like uh, when other concepts came in. So, but like in the beginning, you kind of read read it that way. If there's any um, English translations you could recommend, and we could put in the show notes or anything like that, that for people who want to know more about these stories in a. Um... I think like a Liao Zhai Zhi Guai. So the one that I just mentioned from Pu Songling, because uh, it's very famous and it has a uh, very. I mean, he he was a really good writer. It kind of uh, disturb or kind of. Uh, playing like the forms, like how Zhiguai can be read in a way, and the not only the form but also the content. So he was really good, and you can find maybe better English translation, like of his work. I will look for it if right? I can find yeah. it. I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was really good. Like I could be touched by how he described a a fairy, like a a. Uh, a fox spirit, for example, and how real those spirits and those ghosts can be. I mean, they can be even more human than human beings, in a way. Wow. And they, I appreciate them a lot. So different uh, to what we're used to. Really interesting. Ghost month is practiced in in China and in Taiwan. Is it also something that's practiced by people who've immigrated to other countries, like the United States or Australia? Or Britain is it a tradition that is maintained in Western countries too? Uh, I'm not so sure about this part, but I think like if you, if your family has this like idea, basically it doesn't really okay. For example, in my family, my mother might be more pious, like in terms of like uh, in this regard. But for me, it's like uh, I don't mind their company and I respect their existence in a way. And um, because of this, it's more. Taiwan is a special place in terms of how supernatural beings can exist or coexist. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you have Buddhism, Taoism, Muslim, uh, Christianity, uh, like whatever religion you can think about, they can all exist in this island in a way, which means that people are like a bit more open to it existence of this and I think this actually is more like ch part of Chinese culture uh, when I talk about like uh, Confucianism about relationship with the others to the others and how we treat other people like how how to treat them properly in a way and this is all like this kind of all involved together like mm -hmm. in this worldview so I think if you have this background Yes, so you definitely will have some, and you have some taboos like mm -hmm. you cannot do during this month. For example, okay. wedding, you can't marry like <laughs> during this oh, month. Oh wow! Because okay. you might end up like badly, like, okay. and also <laughs> you can't go to swim. Bad luck. Yeah, or you can't go to swim because like uh, the ghosts might want to find someone like who was. Drones might want to find someone to replace him or her. Wait, wait, wait. If I want to marry a ghost, I can't get married in the only month she can come and see me? But uh, <laughs> that's unfair. I think, um, yes, but 
we really do have this ghost marriage, you know, right? No, I didn't know. Oh. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we do have this um, custom of like marrying a ghost. Uh, I mean, like it's like your beloved one passed away, like before the ritual or ceremony. Oh wow! And, okay. And then you can marry. You still get the like, ritual, and I yes, guess yes. at a minimum symbolically, unless yeah, she comes yeah, back to yeah. you and becomes flesh over time. I've heard of the same thing in in voodoo as well, where people will marry spirits, and it is primarily a obviously a symbolic thing, but that's similar. It's beautiful and sad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to hear about the taboos, uh, about things that you can't do during this month. Yeah. Are there yeah. any other like, taboos? Yes, you can't do like uh, like big business plan. It okay. might fail. <laughs> so, so, yeah, more bad luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, you yeah. need to watch out. And you can't move into your new house. So, because like a ghost might live with you, like once you're moving, <laughs> something like that. So, like, don't go back to the house in a way. Really interesting. But, and is that for the entire month, or is that for maybe a particular day or a week? The entire month. The, my mind is just whirring with all the possibilities. That, that's so interesting. <laughs> so, so. I mean, it's it's just fascinating. I mean, of course, it just is yet another reminder of how little I know. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really interesting to just hear about different beliefs because you know, we we've been doing this show for about ten years and talking about a, a lot of similar phenomena uh, yeah. and and just beliefs that people have in this country and and similar Western countries. So this is just it is really interesting to hear different perspectives from other countries. Absolutely. And we, we hope to do more of that. But I, I want to <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I know this was unusual and, yeah. and we really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Um, yes, my plate. We've learned a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> I so hope we, you enjoyed it. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And we've just got one final question, which we like to ask all of our guests. So, Min, when can you tell us what's your favorite monster? Um, you know, this uh, isn't a fair question, right? No, no, we know. It's the worst question, for, especially for people who obviously love I've this sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. All right. You can only save one. Which, what will it be? <laughs> if I really need to pick one, as I say, artificial humans. <laughs> if they can be categorized as a type of monster. Well, they certainly are are real and certainly frequently monstrous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I love them because they can kind of look and behave so like humans. But at the same time, they are so radically different and distant mm -hmm. from us. So this kind of uh, sameness, um, difference, uh, kind of relation to human beings. And like how... like. How many different images or imaginary representations you can find in different media? For example, not only in literature, but also in films, manga, and it's across cultures. This is so such a... I, we, we just finished an episode about artificial humans in ancient Greece. Which really? Will be the, okay, so... So this is going to be a beautiful follow-up. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect timing. I think like artificial humans are really... They kind of help us, like, when I read them, they are kind of, they are a type of, like, okay, fantastic order that can kind of help me understand not only how uh, we humans perceive the order, but also how humans perceive themselves. 
So it's kind of a detour, like where we want to go back to see who we really are. And it's actually, yes, like us starting from Greek mythology, you can find them inside. So you have like a robot who guard the island and also like uh, the uh, Pygmalion myth, like you find a stone statues. And this doesn't exist only in Greek mythology, but also in other culture. For example, in Chinese literature, you can also find one like a uh, robot-like like creature, like <laughs> oh, back in, it's said to be like fourth century before, like like BCE. So it's long time ago. It's, we want them to be there to help us, yet the stories often involve them not doing what we want, them doing what they want. Yeah. <laughs> <Only> <laughs> against us. <laughs> That's a really interesting answer. It is, it is. It's fantastic. So, well, thank you so much for making time for us, and I hope you have a wonderful yeah. day. Yes, thank you. You're most welcome. I had fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard an interview with PhD candidate Minwo Huang about her research into the literature of Chinese ghost stories, a genre known as Zhigui. We hope you enjoyed it, and we plan to cover more of the ghosts and monsters of the world in future episodes. If you'd like to hear more Chinese ghost stories and legends, check the show notes for a couple of English translations of some of these classic stories of the strange and the supernatural. I almost forgot the ghost festival tonight. Would you like to come along with me? But I... That's it! My boyfriend's theme music! Uh, I'll wait for you here, okay? We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. As always, thanks for listening.
This has been a Monster House presentation. I almost forgot the Ghost Festival tonight. Would you like to come along with me? But I... <gasps> That's it! My boyfriend's theme music! Uh, I'll wait for you here, okay?